On the Virtual Bible Study, tonight we're going to continue a discussion we started last week on the subject of salvation. Yeah, we've been talking about some real basics, basic doctrinal truths the last several weeks. Last week we tackled the extremely important question of salvation, answering the simple question, what must I do to be saved? Uh, We didn't get through that discussion because we actually were not intending to hurry through it. So we've got the follow-up to that. We called last week Salvation 101. We're calling this Salvation 101B. Got some important things still to talk about on that very vital question of salvation. All right, we're going to get started on that right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome into the virtual bible study for thursday uh may 13th 2021 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob Gwynn. my father greg Gwynn is here hello dad great to be with you tonight jacob good to be with you kyle who's here kyle welcome to the program it's good to be here. yeah kyle doing all right tonight yep, yep doing good. good glad that you're back there glad that you're listening on the other end of the line tonight we want to hear from you at 877-381-4567 questions at collegeu.com or in the chat room you can sign in with other listeners there so folks that uh well, no, a lot of these names in here, where they're from. We see Iowa, California. Brian's out in California tonight. Uh, Tennessee, Franklin, Mount Pleasant. Uh, maybe let us know where you are in the chat room tonight as you sign in there. We want to hear from you uh, on the program tonight. Brian in California had jury duty today. He told me you didn't even know he was going to be out of oh, uh, man. out of the jury room. I had that. I had that one time years ago. Took a whole week. Then what was really interesting, you know. I've, I've said, you know, the COVID thing was pretty bad, negative thing across the board, except for this one thing. I had just been called for jury, jury duty, and they had to suspend the whole court system because of COVID. And so my jury duty time period ran out before they started having trials again. That probably never happened again. <laughs> never happened but again. But you, uh, you eased out of that. Well, glad that you're here tonight. Uh, glad that uh, Brian's here. Glad that you're all listening tonight, and we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, again, uh, give us a call, send us an email, sign in the chat room on this important subject. And what we're going to do tonight is compare what the Scriptures teach with what some are, are teaching, and look to the Bible for that. And, and what, that's, what, well, that's the only thing that matters here is what does the Bible say? And uh, we're going to look carefully at what the Bible says, and uh, and hopefully our listeners will follow along with it. Yeah, and that's really, it, it doesn't matter what we say, what we think, it matters what the Bible says. And we, we try to approach it that way all the time. We're not we're not flawless in that. We can we can have prejudices and biases that may mis- give us a mistaken conclusion. It's that so bring it to our attention, because we want to be right, and we want to do what the Bible says. But it uh, is all about... Finding out the truth in God's Word. Now, somebody said last week after the program uh, that what we were engaged in is battle of the Bible verses. In other words, we're just gonna we're just gonna throw Bible verses out there and try and and uh, win the argument by just looking at Bible verses maybe out of context. What we're t- we're trying to do is take the Bible in context and make the Bible harmonize with itself. Well, you know th- that 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 sort of expression, battle of the Bible verses, would suggest that you you can pit one bible verse against another that they that you you have yours that support your view i have mine that support my view which would leave the impression that the bible contradicts itself and can be interpreted differently based upon what verses you're reading that's not true the challenge is to harmonize all of the bible and 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 not to take a position on one verse that is necessarily your conclusion is thus contradicted by some other verse if that's the case, there's some failure of understanding because the Bible doesn't contradict itself. Exactly. We have to be able to harmonize. And so many of the doctrines that are out there today, especially around the area and topic of salvation, force contradictions. And we cannot have that. We have to be harmonizing our understanding of any verse with every other verse in the Bible. Exactly right. All right. So we had 
some questions left over from last week, and we added some sub-questions okay. to some of this. So here's the questions we want to cover tonight. Is salvation possible via many different religions, Muslims, Hindus, non-believing Jews, and so forth? And then as a new follow-up to that question, what will happen to those people who lived and died without ever hearing about Jesus? Number uh, The next one is, it's actually number five going on last week's numbering system. Is it possible to be once saved but later lost again? Okay. And a new sub-question, if your answer is yes, in other words, you can be lost after having been saved, how is a Christian able to have any confidence in his or her salvation? And then finally, are there some things that God tells us to do or not do that are not a salvation issue? That is to say, some commands are optional. And, and the reason I put that question in there is because you're hearing that more and more. You know, Someone says, oh, yeah, but what about that? And they say, oh, well, that's not a salvation issue. In other words... You know, it, it 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 may you may not be doing what the Bible says, but that's not a salvation issue. Well, we want to deal with that idea. It's not a salvation issue. All right. Well, hope you join in the discussion tonight. It uh, it will be an important discussion. It'll be made better if you will uh, join in the discussion tonight. All right. Number four. You so the about. so the first question, and we got unanimous agreement on this: uh, is salvation possible via many different religions? And I think everybody that we've got an email from. Including our friend Phil. Phil says, no, there's no other name under heaven by which men are saved. Acts 4, verse 12. Christ Jesus alone saves. Uh, and, and I think all of our emailers would agree with that, Jacob. Yeah, that's, that's, that is the unanimous consent. Dwight and Michelle out in Ames, Iowa, uh, reference that Acts 4, 12. Nor is there any salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There are so many religious denominations in the world, and the Bible teaches us that there is one and only one body, Ephesians 4, verse 4. That is the church, Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. The Bible also states Christ died for his church, Ephesians 5, 25. The church belongs to Christ. Why do men think it is okay to put their name on the church? They did not purchase the church, singular. Man is added to the Lord's church by the Lord, Acts 2, verse 47. None of these other leaders in these religions died for you. Thanks, Dwight and Michelle, for that. And then Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, signed in with his response, No, Christ is the way of truth. Uh, Christ and his way of truth is the only way of salvation, John 14, I think that verse, verse 6. I think that verse, John 14, 6, is, is the definitive answer to that question. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Yep. Now, if that means anything, if words mean anything, then you can't be saved by pursuing a religion that does not acknowledge Jesus as the only begotten Son of God. So many people in this postmodern world are trying to to uh, comp- uh, compromise on that clear teaching of the Scripture. And if you do that, you might as well throw the whole Bible away because yeah. you can't take anything that it says. Jim in Kentucky says, Salvation is not possible through many different religions. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. John fourteen six. Peter was inspired to preach, neither is salvation in any other, for there's no other name give, un, under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Acts 4, uh, verse, verse 12. That's verse 12. True. Salvation comes by no other means than by obedience to the gospel of Christ. That's exactly right. And then Grant uh, signed in with his listeners, uh, with I'm sorry, with his answers. He just said no. Uh, the apostle clearly, uh, Peter clearly answers this question when he was making a defense before the rulers and elders and scribes, along with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of high uh, high priestly descent. He says in Acts verse four verse twelve, "There's no salvation. Uh, uh, there's no salvation. There is salvation in no one else." This is Grant's, uh, I think, revised standard version. Uh, for no, there's no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Thank you, Grant, for that. All right. Now, that may seem like a throwaway question. You know? Yeah, that was sort of a softball. Yeah, well, it's actually not. Oh, boy. Here we go. Uh, here's here's a, a news article. Uh, uh, what is this? This is Times of Israel. The Times of Israel has had this news article. It's an old one. It's back five or six years ago. Vatican calls on Catholics to stop trying to convert Jews. Uh, it says Jews can secure eternal salvation without converting to Christianity, senior Catholic theologians said in a report recently published. Uh, addressing a question that has long blighted relations between the two faiths, the report unequivocally stated that the Catholic Church should not actively seek to convert Jews to Christianity 
and called for the church to work to eliminate anti-Semitism. The document was issued by the Vatican's Commission for Religious Relations with Jews. Not only does it effectively affirm that Jews can be saved independently of Jesus, but described Christianity's relationship with the Jews as a shared patrimony. Mm -hmm. The Catholic Church says you don't have to believe in Jesus. I can, I, that would be reason enough not to be a Catholic, right there. Well, I, I, that's easy to compare with what the Scriptures teach. I can't harmonize that with what we've just read. John fourteen six. Jesus said, "No man cometh to the Father but by me." Pretty definitive. Uh, how do you? How does that mean anything else? Yeah, exactly. Um, wow. But people will. What, what, that just shows you that we've got to have our faith grounded in the Scriptures, not in what any man says. Yeah, exactly. All right. right. Okay. All right. Now we made a new follow up to that question, Jacob. So if, 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 if all of our respondents agreed, you got to come to God through Jesus. You can only be saved by faith in Jesus. So what happens to those who have lived and died without ever hearing about Jesus? You know, that's a troubling thought to a lot of people. Uh, you know, so here, here's this guy in in some very remote part of the world, uh, maybe in. Uh, you know, uh, the far reaches of northern Siberia or in the, in the very, uh, dark central parts of Africa and, you or know, Prim Springs or Prim Springs, Tennessee, yeah. where Kyle is. I mean, yeah. they talk about remote. Yeah. I mean, they haven't got wires in there yet, have they, Kyle? No, I had to walk here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had to walk because there's no gas for sale around here. Uh, uh, but what, what what about a person that's in a, a, a real remote spot in the world, uh, pretty much isolated from outside? Maybe, you know, we hear every once in a while about these very isolated tribes in, Amazon, in the Amazon region of South America that, that have had no contact with the outside world. What about people in those circumstances who, uh, you know, live and die without ever hearing about Jesus? If you got to know Jesus, if you got to, if you got to come to God through Jesus, but they don't know about Jesus, how do, how do we deal with that dilemma? I think it, it is a troubling thing to some people. I, I preached a lesson about this a, a while back. Okay. And I just, uh, the points I made in response to that are, first of all, uh, God is a fair and just God. This is a question that ultimately has to be left in the hands of a fair and just God. Right. What God does about that, by definition, will be fair and just. Uh, be thankful that we do not have to be the ultimate judges in such circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans 2, verse 11, there's no respect of persons with God. Genesis 18, verse 25, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Now, so, I mean, we'll just leave that. First of all, I'm, I'm very comfortable just saying I'm going to leave that with God. I'm going to let him okay. ex- uh, ha- uh, have that responsibility, which he will, obviously. I don't have to give it to him. He has it already. Um, but there's a couple other things to factor in. We know that God has revealed himself to all of mankind in all of uh, in, in all the earth. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. So even a person in a very remote part of the world should be able to look around at the physical creation and say, there must be a God. I want to know this God. I should seek to find this God. Yeah. Uh, to, to, to not do that is inexcusable, Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. Now, certainly all men need salvation. Romans 3.23, all sin comes short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Uh, and as we talked about last week, God certainly wants all men everywhere to be saved. I think it puts a huge responsibility on us. We've got the gospel. We know the truth. And we need to be doing everything we can to get the gospel spread as thoroughly throughout the globe as it possibly can be. And it, it, that's not an undoable task. We know that it happened in the first century. In Colossians 1.23, 
Paul said, continue in the faith, grounded and settled, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. So, you know, if they could do it, get the gospel to all the known world of their time, without the modern tech, technology that we have as an as a tool and advantage, I, I just say there's there's a tremendous responsibility on our shoulders to be getting the gospel to all parts of the world. We need to do as much as that as we possibly can and work hard at trying to accomplish that goal. Uh, but again, remember John fourteen six. Jesus said, I am the way, truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We, people have got to know about Jesus. They've got to come to the Father through Jesus. Uh and so that again, that just puts the responsibility on us. You know that uh, as you're talking there makes you wonder about the priority with so many so-called churches today, and the distraction in the physical realm with the well, the basketball and the family fun days and the kids, you know, bouncy house and splash park and. You know, it seems like uh, the church has diverted away from its primary or its its God-given role and gotten down into some things that are really just totally inconsequential, uh, not to mention unauthorized. Yeah, absolutely. What is the what is the purpose of their existence to yeah. to entertain young people or to save lost souls? Uh, and, and, and again, back to that article we referenced about the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church has, has absolutely disavowed the responsibility of sharing the gospel with people who don't know Jesus. Stop trying to convert Jews, they said. So, I mean, yeah, again, as you rightly observe, some churches are way off course. Some, some many religious denominations are way off course. Uh, Dwight in Iowa says, um, in the Great Commission from Mark sixteen fifteen and 16, he said, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. I don't think people can use the excuse that they never heard about Jesus. Romans one twenty says that those who don't realize his existence are without excuse. We just read that text. So those who claim to have never heard about the gospel of the Lord will be without excuse and eternally lost. You know, I, I would take what Dwight said there and sort of build upon that too. I actually think that the problem that we posed is not as massive a problem as you might imagine. If if you could get an accurate handle on the world's population, world's population is well over 7 billion, approaching 8 billion people. But my guess is the vast majority of those people have heard about Jesus. And if, if, they're, if they're desiring to investigate it, they can. It's not as easy in a lot of places as it is where we live. But I, I, I would build upon what Dwight said, and I, my guess is that the that the percentage of the world's population who've never heard of Jesus is is relatively small. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, back to that idea of us being focused on our mission and not getting involved in the in worldly entertainment. You you've heard the quote from B, BC Goodpasture on this about coming down to the, on the plains of Ono. Uh, as the church turns its attention to amusement and recreation, it will be shorn of its power as Samson was when his hair was cut. Only as the church becomes worldly, as it pillows its head on the lap of Delilah, will it want to turn from its wanted course to relatively unimportant matters. Imagine Paul selecting and training a group of brethren to compete in the Isthmian Games. <laughs> he says, the church, like Nehemiah, has great work to do, and it should not come down on the plains of Ono to amuse and entertain. Yeah, very good. Well, that's what's happening though in the yeah, world. Yeah, exactly right. It's and it's and it's sad. And we've got the gospel, we've got the life-saving news, and we're forming basketball leagues. Yeah. Instead of uh, missionary teams. I, I think that's exactly right. All right. Um, uh, Kent says, "End of this is really good, and this is the right approach to this question." By the way, Kent's got it for sure. Individuals are lost because they have sinned. Whether or not they ever hear the gospel is really not the issue. They're not lost because they didn't hear the gospel. They're lost because they sinned. Romans 3.23 teaches that all accountable individuals are sinners whether they hear the gospel or not. Christians have the divine obligation to teach non-Christians insofar as our ability and opportunity. Mark 16.15, uh, Colossians 1.23. All accountable 
all accountable individuals have the responsibility to search for truth, John 5:39. If individuals die in their sins, the New Testament teaches that they die in a lost condition, Romans 6:23. Okay. I think he's exactly right. Uh, Dwight uh, said... I already did Dwight. You did Dwight. I did Dwight. We need to get Grant. To get Grant's answer. Yeah, let's get Grant. Grant says, if it is prior to the cross, individuals will be judged according to the covenant they were under, whether it was the law of Moses and the nation of Israel or the law of Gentiles, Romans chapter 2, verse 14. Or other covenants not revealed in the scriptures. Melchizedek, who was a priest and king of of the God Most High, Genesis 14, verse 18. Good points there about the Old Testament, how there were other... Dispensations. Although in Hebrews chapter nine verse fifteen it states, for this reason he's the mediator of a new covenant, so that since a death has taken place for the redemption of transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. This verse states that Jesus' death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions committed under the first covenant, referring to the law of Moses. What about individuals who are living under the new covenant today and have lived and died without hearing about Jesus? Jesus stated in Matthew twenty nine verse nineteen. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This was accomplished by the end of the first century, as we see recorded in the book of Acts. Jesus stated in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, and ask it, it will be given you, seeking you will find, knock it will be opened to you. Jesus states here that those who are seeking will find, and so through the providence of God, those individuals sincerely seeking will hear I believe the gospel that. of Jesus Christ. I believe that. I believe that if a person, if there's a truly seeking individual... Through God's providence, they will be able to know and learn the truth about Jesus. Now, providence is such that you can't prove it. Providence is, is just something that we have confidence and faith in. But I, I, I agree with, with uh, uh, Grant's statement there. I would add in one other verse in, in, into this question. Again, it, it puts the responsibility squarely on our shoulders. Acts 17.30, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. There's not an exception to that. No, good verses. And uh, would you agree with this comment that we're way past due for a break? Yes. And uh, we can't, we got to get behind that. Uh, let's get a break, and when we get back, we'll continue your thoughts. Uh, where are we going from here? Well, the next question has to do with once saved, always saved. Is it possible to be once saved but later lost again? Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Don't go anywhere. You might miss something. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Here's a quick thought. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Jesus said this in Luke 6, 45. When you speak today, when you act today... Will it come from the goodness of your heart? May you resolve to bring forth good things this day. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. The best preparation for tomorrow is the right use of today. No one ever backslid on his knees. When a man who is honestly mistaken hears the truth, he will either quit being mistaken or cease being honest. When you flee temptation... Don't leave a forwarding address. Trouble is usually produced by those who don't produce anything else. An honest man alters his opinions to fit the truth, while a dishonest man alters the truth to fit his opinions. Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight talking about salvation and of questions about it, basic questions about salvation and uh, a good discussion. We want you to be a part of it. Join in the chat room tonight. This is the chat second. quiet. Yeah, this is the second week of our discussion on salvation. Last week we called Salvation 101. This week we're calling it Salvation 101B. we got a couple more questions we want to try to cover here. The next question on our list, it was number five from our counting system from last week. Is it possible to be once saved but later lost again? What did our what did our well? First of all, our friend Phil uh, dealt with this question, although his numbering system is not matching up with ours perfectly. But uh, he says, "I'm sure you don't parent your own children this way. I'm sure you don't disown and reinstate your children every time they disobey." That does not mean your commands are optional, unimportant, or without consequence. Your children are your children because you either caused them to be born or you adopted them, not because of their performance. That is what we, being evil, do. 
God is far better. So I think that I think that part of Paul's or of, of uh, uh, Phil's answer goes to this question: Are you once saved? Always? He says you're you're a child of God. Uh, once you're a child of God, uh, he says you're a child of God either because. Uh, uh, well, he says you're a child of God, and God's not going to disown you every time you're disobedient. Jacob, you've got children; they're still your children, even if they're disobedient to you. You don't say, "Well, you're not my kid. You're not my kid now." And then they then they re- repent and ask you to forgive them, and say, "Okay, you're my kid again." We never said that. We, we never said that. That's what God does. But that's not to say that a child of God can't be lost. I mean, a person once saved will always be a child of God. But that doesn't mean that they'll be ultimately saved in eternity. And so that's a little bit of a play on terminology there. We didn't say you stop being a child of God. But you can be an unfaithful, disobedient child of God. And that being the case, if you continue in that without repentance you you will end up being eternally lost yeah um and and i would i would imagine phil would have some verses he would use to to support this although there are no verses uh, given here other than human reasoning well you know you don't disown your children but the scriptures do talk very clearly about god punishing people who are were once in a safe relationship with him well uh, um uh, to me the, the passage that is so graphic and perfectly addresses this is Second Peter chapter 2, beginning verse 20. Peter says, Second Peter 2, verse 20, For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Stop there. Who is he describing? They came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, and they escaped from the pollutions of the world. These are saved people. But notice... He says, if they are entangled therein and, if they are entangled therein again and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. In other words, they get entangled back in, uh, the pollutions of the world again. They had escaped. Now they're entangled again and overcome and they're in a worse shape. We've explained the reason we think they're in a worse shape is because now they've already heard the gospel. They initially accepted it. Now they've turned their back on it. There's no, there's no new drawing power to bring them back. So they're in a bad shape that way. But notice how he describes them. He said it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they've known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb. The dog has turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. I'll tell you, that's just plain as it can possibly be. Yeah, you, you you can't misunderstand that one. Oh. Well, you can if you try. Here's another verse. I mean, we, we we could spend the rest of the night talking about the warnings against falling away and the the encouragement to remain faithful, and all of that is nullified if we take this view that you can't fall away. But Hebrews chapter three verse twelve says, "Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God." They were brethren. And they're told to take heed. Because there could be this evil heart, and they could depart from the living God. Yeah. How do you explain that if you can't fall away? Why would Paul say that? Yeah. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Paul's warning here. You could fall away. Yeah. You've got to be on guard. Take heed. Be careful. There's a problem here that you need to avoid. Classic real-life case study is the case of Simon the Sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. Remember, he had he, he saw that the, the apostles had the power to lay hands on people and impart miraculous spiritual gifts. He wanted to buy it. And, and Peter rebuked him for that. Acts 8 verse 20, Peter said to him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Now, the once saved, always saved position would have to argue that Simon the sorcerer was still saved while his heart was not right with God, uh, while he was in desperate need of being forgiven, and while he was in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity and 
you have to take all that and say, yeah, but he was still a saved person. Doesn't make any sense at all. Now, there are a lot of uh, doctrines that people hold to because there are certain benefits to holding to them. For instance, maybe I want to believe that, uh, you know, that it's justifiable to get a divorce for any cause. And maybe that, that there's maybe there'd be some benefit to me if I held that view. Or maybe I want to believe a view that, you know, that, well, you don't have to be baptized because it's too much trouble to get wet. And so it's more it's easier for me to believe in faith only. There are some benefits to holding some doctrines, and you sometimes may wonder, well, what do they do? They hold that doctrine because of some benefit to them. This is a doctrine that has no benefit to us. There, we have no vested interest in believing that you can fall away. There's absolutely no benefit to us in believing that. Exactly. If it was, if it was our goal, if that was our preference, I, well, I believe just like Phil believes. But I can't do that and harmonize that position with what the scriptures teach. Yeah, if it's, if it's, if it's what emotionally appeals to us, what would emotionally appeal to me is then I'm, I got my ticket punched. And no matter what I do, I'm going to heaven. But I just can't line that up with what the Bible teaches. Again, we've got to harmonize our position with what the scriptures teach, everything that the scriptures teach. And the scriptures just has, have too many verses that say that you've got to be on guard because you can fall away, you can depart. You yeah. can fall from grace. Yeah. You can have a latter end that's worse than the beginning. Yeah. I mean, it goes on and on. Let's grab our uh, bullet point break, Jay. When we come back, we'll get our emailers on this question. All right. Uh, don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Wow. It isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. Our bullet point this week comes from the pen of Philip Mullins. Worshiping God, however we would like to worship him, sounds like real freedom to us, yet the Bible calls it something different. In quoting from the Old Testament, Jesus said that some of his Jewish brethren honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Mark 7, verses 6 and 7. Man has always sought to replace God's will for worship with his own ideas and agenda. The scriptures refer to this as vain worship. Here's an important question for us all to consider on the matter of worship. Who's it for anyway? If it is for God whom we're seeking to honor, shouldn't we worship the way that he wants us to, the way that he revealed in the Bible? Yet if we're trying to please ourselves, then by all means we should tailor our religion to suit our personal taste. The problem with this is that God is the one who deserves our praise. Romans chapter 1 condemns people who worship and serve, quote, the creature rather than the creator, verse 25. Freedom comes not by doing our will, but the will of our God. When we worship our way, we sin. Sin enslaves. It never liberates. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and gather your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding you, the program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. And if you have a question at any time about something you've heard on the program, we welcome your feedback. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use at any time. And maybe you just want to use that as, uh, as a drop box for your suggestion for a future topic or a future question to be covered on the virtual Bible study. It doesn't have to be a topic or a question that you don't know the answer to. You may just think, well, that would be a good pro- a topic to discuss in a format like this. And it doesn't have to be a topic that you think, well, they could talk about that for an hour or maybe two hours like we're talking about tonight. No, it could be just a simple question. We can put it into our stack to address in one of those multiple topic hours. Uh, send us a, your suggestion, questions. At yeah, we need some more questions for a smorgasbord study, so send them in. No, diff- no hard questions, though, please. <laughs> All right, talking about salvation on the program tonight, Salvation 101, Part B tonight. So, again, is it possible to be once saved but later lost? What did our emailers say, Jacob? Boy, the chat room's quiet. Jump in the chat the room. The chat everybody. room, is it? Yeah. Um, well, uh, Kent says, yes, it's possible to genuinely obey the gospel of Christ, become a New Testament Christian, and by allowing sin to come into one's life, lose your salvation. Second Peter 2, 20 and 22. That's the passage I read a minute ago. That's exactly right. Dwight in Iowa said... Um, Yes, we can lose our salvation. The Word of God is filled with examples of Christians falling out of grace. Take Simon in Acts chapter 8, verses 21 through 24. Simon was in bondage of sin, verse 23. Why would Peter tell him to repent of this wickedness if there weren't severe consequences? Yeah, he said his heart was not right with God. He was in the 
bond of iniquity and gall of bitterness, and there was that's a terrible position to be, and that's where he was found, he found himself. A uh, gem in Kentucky says, "Yes, it's possible once to be saved and then lost again." Again, as inspired by the Holy Spirit, uh, Peter wrote of such in Second Peter chapter two, verses twenty through twenty-two. The Hebrew writer reminds us that people of God during the time of Moses failed through their unbelief. Uh, Hebrews three seventeen through nineteen. The saints in Smyrna were encouraged to remain faithful unto death if they wanted to receive the crown of life. Revelation two verse ten. Faithfulness is for one, all of one's life, not part of it. That's a good point from yeah. Revelation chapter two verse ten. Why would Jesus? Jesus. Why would he waste his time telling the church there that yeah. they needed to be faithful in spite of all the persecution they were going to face? What's the big deal? They're going to be saved anyways. Um, and then Grant uh, says, uh, look at uh, what the Galatians were doing. They were binding circumcision on Gentile Christians, and in doing so, Galatians chapter 5, verses four, 2 through 4 says, Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You've been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, are, you have fallen from grace. So, so here we have individuals who were severed from Christ. Know that in order to be severed, you first need to be in Christ. Also, in order to fall from grace, you must first be in yeah, Christ. I, I, I'm glad Grant brought that passage up because I, I think Galatians 5 verse 4 is a definitive verse on that subject. It says you can fall from grace. And as Grant properly pointed out, you got to be in grace before you can fall out of grace. I've always used the analogy, you have to be in a boat before you can fall out of a boat. And so here were people who were in grace, but were in danger of being falling out of grace, saved and in danger of being lost. Let's look at the greater context here. Let's go back up to verse 2, as Grant did. Where it says, Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Now, who's he talking to here? He clearly cannot be talking to Jewish people who had been circumcised prior to Christ's death and prior to becoming Christians. He couldn't be talking to them because there certainly could be benefit to God in, the, in, that, in that area. And he couldn't be talking to Gentiles who had been circumcised. Uh, there were some that maybe had uh, become proselytes. He has to be talking to Christians here who became Christians uncircumcised, and then if you were become circumcised, trying to bind the law on yourself or on others, then Christ is of no benefit to you. You are fallen from grace. It's clear from this passage that these were Christians, and they could fall from grace. All right, good. All right, so I think we've got the answer to that. Now, I had a follow-up to that, a new follow-up part to that question, Jacob. If that's true, and I believe it is absolutely true, you can be saved, once saved, and lost again later. If that is so, then how are we supposed to have any confidence in our salvation? How can a Christian have confidence in salvation? If it's possible, you know, that I'm struggling along here and and I sin from time to time, and boy, I'm I'm not sure I'm going to make it. Uh, I'm, I'm worried to death. I'm just in a constant turmoil. As to whether I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on a right standing with God. How do we answer that question? Well, here's how Kent would answer it. First, please consider that Christians do not have to sin. Many times Christians sin out of weakness and or ignorance. We still are free moral agents and choose to do so. Even then, God does not leave us without hope. When Christians sin, we must confess them to God, First John 1, 6 through 10. We must also repent, pray, and ask God to forgive us, Acts 8, verse 22. The verb tense in 1 John 7, 1 through, or 1 John 1, 7 through 10 is present tense, which necessitates continuous action. As Christians, if we continuously obey the conditions of God's forgiveness for Christians, then we can have confidence that God will forgive our sins and maintain our salvation in Christ. I really like what Kent suggested there, because some people would present the idea that we just sin all the time, that, that it's impossible to live for any length of time. I mean, you, it, I'm, uh, you know, you, you get the impression you can't go for 15 minutes without sinning. You're just sinning all the time, all day long. You got sin, 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 sin. That's, that happens just continue. That should not be the case. If we're striving to live for the Lord, then we 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 should be able to go for long periods of time without sinning. Now we're going to sin. All all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans three verse twenty three. But and John said there in First John chapter one, if we say we have not sinned, we lie. The truth is not in us. So certainly we're going to sin. But I think some people jump to this idea. There's got to be some 
You know, there was a big controversy years ago among our own brethren that there's some sort of automatic, continuous cleansing. One preacher said it's like a windshield wiper. God just wiping the sins away automatically like a windshield wiper. That's not true. You can't support that from the scriptures. But it, part of that whole controversy surrounded the false idea that we're just sinning all the time and can't do otherwise. We should be going, we, we should get better and better, go longer and longer between times of sin in our lives. And when we do sin, then the, the conditions for forgiveness are plainly set forth. For instance, right there in First John chapter 1, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's what Dwight and Michelle had to say. The confidence we should have is from the scriptures. We can know that the Lord keeps his promises by looking to his will. Second Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow about his promises, some men count slowness, but is patient towards us, not wishing that any... Uh, for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Through repentance, we once again can be found faithful in his sight. If we don't repent of our sins, he will not forgive us of them. First John 1, 2 through 9 reads, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Confidence comes through his word, and his word is truth. Good, good, good. And uh, Grant says, um, uh, if we have the qualities specified by the Apostle Peter in Second Peter verses one, chapter one, verses four through ten, and they are increasing, we can be certain about His calling and choosing us. And as long as we practice these things, we will never stumble. First uh, Peter chapter four, verses one through ten, uh, four through ten. First uh, Peter one, four, Second Peter four through ten. Second <laughs> Peter one, four through ten. Yeah, these are the Christian uh, graces that we should be uh, adding to ourselves. You know, adding to uh, to moral excellence, knowledge, knowledge, self control, etc. And he says it goes on. Peter says, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful. Practice these things, and you will never stumble. Peter concludes there. So uh, Grant is saying, you know, it tells us we need to be growing, and if we grow in the proper ways then it makes us so that we will not stumble. Okay. And and so, you know, this this false idea that we're just going to be always sinning and can't keep from it is wrong. We should be getting better about that day by day, growing spiritually. We're commanded to grow. Second Peter 3, verse 18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As we grow in Christ, we should sin less, obviously. When we do sin, as we will, even the Apostle Peter acknowledged that he included himself in that. In First John chapter 1, he acknowledged that he also was among those who sin. If we say we have no sin, we lie, the truth is not in us. So we're going to sin. When we sin, God has a mechanism for cleansing us of those sins. And so we pursue that mechanism. And, and so we keep working on striving to be faithful to him in all things. So there's confidence in that. I mean, I think God wants us to be confident. He doesn't want us to be constantly fearful. And he's and He's made provision for us to stay in a right relationship with him. We just got to do it. All right, let's go to our last break. And when we get back, we've got one more question to talk about tonight. And that that's, this is going to be an interesting one we need to discuss yet. Yeah, we want to talk about, because you hear this expression sometimes when we're talking about things, you know, so uh, we're talking about instrumental music. You know, should we use instruments of music in worship to God or not? And more and more, we're hearing people use this expression. Well, that's not a salvation issue. That's not really that's not really that big and important a deal because it's not a salvation issue. So you, if you want to, go ahead. I don't want to. I'm not going to. But it doesn't matter because it's not a salvation issue. What about this? We're talking about salvation. This whole discussion has been about necessary understandings of salvation. Are there things that are salvation issues and some that aren't? How are we going to answer that? Let's talk about that and go to the top of the hour when we get back right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. Misconception number 34. The folks at the College View Church of Christ think you have to go to their church to go to heaven. Everyone else goes to hell. You may have heard this, but it's simply not true. We probably believe the same thing you do. We definitely believe the same thing Jesus did in Matthew 7:21. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter to heaven, but those who do the will of my Father will. You may have been misled about us. Why not come learn the truth about the College of Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Here are some recent statistics concerning marriage and divorce. 45% of first marriages will end in divorce. 
60% of second marriages end in divorce. 73% of third marriages end in divorce. 22% of all women in America have been divorced at least once. 21% of men in America have been divorced at least once. 11% of women are divorced at the present time. 9% of men are divorced at this present time. That information is via Barna Research. The Word of God says in Malachi 2, verse 16, For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program. Go to the top of the hour. Now we get into the question about optional commands. All right. So we asked the question, are there some things that God tells us to do or to not do that are, quote, not a salvation issue, unquote? That is to say, are there some commands that are optional to us? Well, I've got an approach to that that I want to pursue here just briefly. First of all, I'm willing to grant that there's some things that God is indifferent about. For instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8, Paul says, Meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. Now, the meat he has under consideration there was the meat offered to idols. And that was a big controversy in the first century church. It's not a controversy to us at all. But didn't matter to God whether they ate or didn't eat. Uh, in Galatians 5 or 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything or, non- or uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. So whether you decide to be circumcised, whether you decide to circumcise your babies or not, God, God doesn't care. He's indifferent. But you know why we know that he's indifferent about that? Because he revealed to us that he's indifferent about those things. It's not up to us to say, well, God doesn't care about that. The only way we would know God doesn't care about whether you eat meat to idols or whether you circumcise your babies. The only reason we know that is because he told us that that he didn't care. So some things he's indifferent about, but those things he has told us about in his word is not up to us. But when God tells us to do something or to not do something, how are we supposed to distinguish if that's if that's a critical thing or not? How how are we supposed to judge? Who who gets to be the judge? In fact, oh, that doesn't matter. This matters. That doesn't matter. If God's word just says do it, and He has not, no words. As we said a minute ago, some things He said He doesn't care about. But in regards to things that He has not told us. That he's indifferent about. How are we? How are we in a position to say, "Well, God said to do that, but He didn't really mean it. He didn't really care." You know, there was a, there's a famous episode in the Old Testament in Second Kings chapter five, the the uh, the story of Naaman the leper. You remember when Elisha the prophet sent a messenger out and said, "Go dip seven times in the river Jordan, you'll be cleansed." He didn't, and Naaman was incensed. Elisha didn't. Elisha didn't even go out and meet him in person. He sent his messenger out there, and and Naaman was incensed. He said, "Behold, I thought that he would come out and wave his hand over the place." And so, it didn't matter what Naaman thought. He was just supposed to do what the prophet of God told him to do. Yeah. And you know when we when people talk about this, they do put themselves. They jump in, in God's seat and they start to decide what's important or what's not. You know, oh well, that's not a big deal. You know that 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 instruction is not. A, now this other one's a big deal. This, but that one over there, that that's not a big deal. Who gets? To, how do you you do you put yourself in God's seat in God's position there? Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We can't think on the level of God. We don't get to put ourselves in that position. Jeremiah 10, verse 23 says, Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. So do not presume that you are the one who, or any, any man or group of men, can put themselves in a position of saying, there's a command that we think is not really important. This one over here, yeah, that's important. That one over there, not so much. We we are not qualified to do that. You hear that a lot in discussions with various uh, denominational people, uh, Kyle, is that, well, you know, you believe something that's totally different than what we practice at the church that I attend, but that's not a, that's not a big deal, you know? You you can worship God one way, and we'll do it another way, and it, it doesn't really matter to God. Well, God said what matters to him. 
And we can't be the ones who are deciding otherwise. Well, he's an extremely meticulous God. He's, uh, you look at throughout the book of the, the Old Testament, the, the extreme detail that they had to follow to the letter. We have to follow God's word to the letter. And if we don't, then we're veering, we're getting into the, we're sinning. I think we sin when we don't follow doctrinal Issues, Not only so. do we sin, we don't honor him. Right. He's the one who told us what he wanted. Why would we say, well, he told us that, but we don't think it's really all that important. We don't reverence him <laughs> like we should. And uh, that's the same thing that uh, Nadab and Bayou got in trouble for, that that strange fire, you know, who they probably thought, well, it's not a big deal. That's that's not a salvation issue. What kind of fire you use? And God struck them dead for that in Leviticus chapter 10. And uh, he goes on uh, to say that um, that he must be counted as holy, uh, uh, and he must be glorified. And in Leviticus chapter ten, verse three, the Lord spake, saying, "I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified." You don't glorify God in your life when you're not living like He should in every aspect, yeah. like like you should in every aspect, and you don't get to decide. Well, that's not a salvation issue. I'm not going to worry about that. It's one. it's pretty clear that He wanted us to take His word, His message seriously. It's not just, the word of God is not a compilation of, of potentially useful suggestions, you know, and and the word of God is not take this if if this works for you, if you can use it, use it. If not, never mind. That's not the way the word of God is written. Jesus said, John twelve forty eight. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter to the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Revelation twenty two eighteen and nineteen. I testify to every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add to these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. I mean, we just go on and on. Uh, Galatians 1, verse 8 and 9. Though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. Deuteronomy 4, verse 2. He shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Yep. So, I think that's pretty straightforward. I really believe that this idea of labeling some things as not a salvation issue, we, it, it, that, is being done in an order to appeal to men. You know, uh, so this is kind of an unpopular thing. You know, this instrumental music thing, that's a big controversy, has been for years. Let's just, let's just label that as not a salvation issue so we can just move on. Move on. Yeah. Push that out of the way. That doesn't have to be a point of contention anymore. Or maybe divorce and remarriage. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of controversy on that. So, Maybe we just say that's not a salvation issue. That way we can clear it off the table and move on. Yep. And so it's an, it's a, it's a, it's an effort to appease men. Uh, but Paul said in Galatians 1 verse 10, do I now persuade men or God or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, beginning verse 3, I care very little if I'm judged by you or any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. So again, over and over and over again, we get the idea that we are not the ones who get to judge what is or is not a salvation issue. Uh, We've got to submit to God. James 4, verse 7, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. James 1, 25, whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be ju- uh, blessed in his deed. Notice the emphasis on doing. Yep. Uh I thought there was a, a, a neat statement that came from Mary, the mother of Jesus, in John chapter 2, verse 5. You remember, they were at the wedding feast at Cana of Galilee. And, of course, in context, it's specific to do what he says about drawing water and so forth. But she said to the servants, Mary, the mother of Jesus, said to the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. There you go. Yeah, that's, 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 a, that's a pretty simple rule. Yeah, quit arguing if, about if it. If he just, said do it, do it. Uh, yeah, just shut your mouth and do what he said to do. Yeah. Well, 
And, and this is, gets back to that inspiration thing too. You know, you talk about well, if 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 all of the Bible isn't inspired, how do we know what part is? Yeah. And the same is true with uh, with God's commands. If they're not all important, if they're not all required, then how do we know which ones are and which ones aren't? You have to just throw them all out. Once yeah. you start down that road, well, if that one's important, that one's not. You've just you've 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 started down a slippery slope that you can't get off of. Yeah. All right. Here's what Phil said to this question. Are there some things that God told us to do that and uh, not to do that are not a salvation issue? That is to say, some commands that are optional. He says, God has caused his people to be adopted and born again, and they are his children. He paid the penalty for their disobedience on the cross, and he pre- predestines them to be conformed to the image of Christ, Romans 8, verse 29. No, commands are not optional. And God's children are freed from the law of sin and death that held them captive before. They are freed for joyful obedience, not a cowardly obedience that's more concerned with not going to hell than honoring Christ. What would you say to that? Uh, well, uh, I might quote Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Uh, so, you know, uh, we're told, oh, where is that passage that come to my mind? Behold the goodness and the severity of God. Yeah. I mean, to, to just to just see God as a loving God, and therefore we we have joyful obedience. We don't have to be afraid. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is. And but uh, but does that just say that if you're uh, you have, you fear God, that you don't seek to glorify Him? And that's sort of a, that, a false or, Yes, uh, and that if you're just obeying, uh, if you're obeying exclusively out of fear, then you you don't have any joy. I, I don't I don't think it's an either or thing. We fear God, we're afraid to to disobey, but we joyfully serve Him. We we want to do His will. So I mean, it's not an either or. Kent says any divine requirement of God is a salvation issue, such as neither is either a necessary step in becoming a Christian or else it is a necessary condition for a Christian to obey in order to be faithfully following Christ or remain, uh, remaining uh, in a safe condition. The concept of optional command is contradiction of thought. I think that's true. It's an oxymoron, command. as they say. Yeah. Uh, Dwight and Michelle um, said, uh, we have to follow all the commands of the Lord no matter what. It may be a command of doing or a command not to do. If we do where he says don't, we sin. If we don't do where he says, we sin. Now, within the commands of the Lord, we may have some wiggle room, that meaning that, for example, we are commanded to worship God, partake of the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. We can do that in the morning, noon, or evening, as long as it's done the first day of the week. I'm not at liberty to partake of the Lord's Supper on any other day of the week. By partaking on any other day, other than the first day of the week, I, as Simon was, uh, am in sin, First John, or Acts chapter 8. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate that. Jim in Kentucky, I'm not aware of the, that there are any commands of God which are optional. Some speak of issues which are not tied to salvation, but the inspired Apostle Paul dealt with the concept of one's own personal liberty. It reminds us that even doing something that we have a freedom to do, which is in and of itself not sinful, can become sinful to, a, to another if it becomes a stumbling block to a weaker brother. So even the eating meat, something not condemned by God, can turn into a sin and become a salvation because of one's selfish attitude. See Romans 14, 1 through 18 and 1 Corinthians 8, 8 through 13. So that's good. Jim points out, you know, I brought that up. God's indifferent about the eating of meats. But if I take that liberty and use it in such a way that I cause others to stumble, then even that can become a sin. But there's not anything that he commanded me to do. That is optional. Grant says this gets to the heart of the authority of the Scripture. Some verses to consider: Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. All Scripture is inspired by God. Uh, it's a it's uh, so the man of God may be adequate, uh, equipped for every good work. First Corinthians four verse six. So that in us you may learn not to exceed what is written. Second John verse nine. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Revelation twenty two eighteen. Uh, if anyone adds to this book, God will add it to him the the plagues which are written in this book, Revelation twenty two nineteen. If anyone takes away his this book, uh, God will take away his part from the tree of life and the holy city which are in this book. Galatians one six through nine. Amazed you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Uh, they are, had been distorting the gospel. He says these verses forbid man from doing anything with the Bible other than to use it as an absolute authority and to obey it. James chapter two verse ten. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at one point, he has become guilty of all. Good comments, Grant. And finally, we got a uh, an answer from our friend Mohan in Chicago. 
He says, every command of God is important. We need to obey God to be faithful. However, some things may take longer to figure out from the Bible than others. And we need to be continuing seeking God to find more truth from the scriptures through time. Amen to that. You know, the, nobody is saying we've got all the answers, you know. Uh, and we keep trying to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Second Peter 3.18. Yep. Uh, but in regards to the things that we do know, we're not at liberty to say, I'm just going to pick and choose which ones are important, which ones are not. Yep. We're, we're not in a position to do that. And Dwight and Michelle in the chat room have broken the code of silence there tonight, which has, well, really persevered throughout the hour. For that, for him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin, James 4.17. Thank you, Dwight and Michelle, for that. Good, good discussion tonight. Kyle, final thoughts from you on that side of the board tonight. Not that it's a good. I think we need to be careful what we label as, you know, inconsequential, you know, um, topics. Uh, and uh, Who gave you the yeah. right, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Good. good. Thanks for, thanks for helping us get it out tonight, yeah, Kyle. Good. Uh, Dad, thank you for a good hour and uh, a good two hours. As this concludes the Salvation 101 issue. Yeah. Again, we welcome our listeners who may disagree with anything we've said. Uh, send us an email. We could we could have Salvation 101C. Yeah. We'd be glad to hear from you. Again, send in topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the Virtual Bible Study. We're open to that. All right. Uh, we hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word tonight. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never... Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.